0: Good evening. I'm happy to welcome you here to our uh, Monday Thursday service this evening. One brief change in the bulletin there. Uh, the hymn right after the call to worship will not be Hymn 554. It will instead be Hymn 150, which is "Go to Dark Gethsemane." Hymn 150. Uh, so, would you please stand and join me in the call to worship? Rend your hearts and not your garments, says the Lord. Return to the Lord your God. He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? He has us what is good, and what does the Lord require of us but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. Please remain standing for hymn number 150.
1: Please participate in the confession and pardon in your bulletin. You'll be reading the bold print. My sisters and brothers, Christ shows us his love by becoming a humble servant. Let us draw near to God and confess our sins in the truth of God's Spirit. Most merciful God, we your church confess that often our spirit has not been that of Christ, where we have failed to love one another as he loves us, where we have pledged loyalty to him with our lips and then betrayed, deserted, and denied him. Forgive us, we pray, and by your spirit make us faithful in every time of trial. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Moment of silence. Who is in a position to condemn? only Christ, but Christ suffered and died for us, was raised from the dead, and ascended on high for us, and continues to intercede for us. Believe the good news. If you have confessed your sins in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
2: Our first scripture reading tonight comes from the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. Exodus 12, 1 through 14, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, Each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, then they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of their houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire. With the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. This is the word of the Lord.
3: second scripture reading today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. Hear the word of the Lord. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of the Lord.
4: To share your bread and drink your wine. To God and to the land.
5: Reading is from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, and verses 31 through 38. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son of himself and will glorify him at once. My children... I will be here with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now: where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you: love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, "'Lord, where are you going?' Jesus replied, "'Where I am going you cannot follow now, "'but you will follow later.' Peter asked, "'Lord, why can't I follow you now? "'I will lay down my life for you.' Then Jesus answered, "'Will you really lay down your life for me?' "'Very truly I tell you, "'before the rooster crows, "'you will disown me three times.'" This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
3: Have you ever noticed that uh, when human beings are put in a stressful situation, we have a tendency to turn on each other? Husbands and wives sometimes do that. Parents and children sometimes do that. Friends and neighbors, pastors and parishioners sometimes do that. There's something about the feeling of being threatened that causes us to get defensive and to kick into survival mode. It makes me wonder if this isn't what's in Jesus' mind on this night. Within a few hours, his disciples are going to be put to the test. Soldiers are going to interrupt their private prayers, arrest Jesus, and threaten them. They're going to scatter like bugs exposed to light. They're going to feel abandoned and uncertain and frightened. And in these moments of fear and panic, they're going to be tempted to turn on each other. But it doesn't stop then. Even after the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they go out preaching the good news of Jesus, they are still going to wrestle with conflicting opinions about the best way to do that. The church in Jerusalem is is going to be faced with growing opposition and lessening influence. Jewish believers are going to be called upon to accept Gentile believers. The church in Antioch is going to be challenged to trust upstart churches in Asia Minor. And Peter is going to have to face the reality of Paul's expanding leadership. Disciples are going to be tempted to believe that standing their ground for their opinions is the same thing as standing their ground for the very words of Jesus. I think this might be in Jesus's mind on this night, on this last night with his disciples, because Jesus understands that the most dangerous temptation they face is not from Caiaphas or Pilate, but in the way they think about each other and the way they treat each other. The word Monday, the name given to this Thursday, comes from the Latin word mandatum which means command. And this refers to Jesus' words that were just read in John thirteen thirty four. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Mandatum, though, is not just about this night. It's about every night and every day. It's the life of a disciple. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. But it's even more than that. Because Jesus not only says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. But he adds to that, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. There is a sense in which loving each other is the defining characteristic of a disciple. People can love each other and not be a follower of Jesus, but you cannot be a follower of Jesus and not love each other. It's how people know we're disciples. And why is that? Because to love each other means that we look like and act like Jesus. Now, of course, loving each other isn't necessarily telling other people everything that they want to hear. Loving each other isn't ignoring destructive behavior. Loving each other is not afraid to speak truth, truth that is encouraging and truth that is confrontational. But loving each other always means doing whatever we do because it's in the best interest of the other person. Our struggle is that so often our actions toward each other is not rooted in what is best for the other, but what I think is best for me. But that is not love, that's self-interest. And the Apostle Paul says that we are to have the mind of Christ, which means letting go of our self-interest, thinking not about ourselves, but about others. And nowhere is this tested more than when we feel our self-interest Being challenged. It's fascinating to me that in the creation story of Genesis 1 and 2, everything is good, even very good, except for one thing. God himself says it is not good for a human being to be alone. Isn't that fascinating? But it's also fascinating to me that the very gift that addresses this problem is also the recipient of blame when the wheels start coming off. God looks at the man and says, why did you eat the fruit? The woman you put here for me, she gave it to me. And he says to her, woman, why did you eat the fruit? The serpent, in parentheses, that you created, deceived me. When backed into a corner, it's blame and attack. And we have been doing that same thing ever since. Our relationships that are intended to be the glory of God's creation are often a source of pain. And I think that's so much of what tonight is about. Jesus shares his body and blood with one who is going to betray him. He promises his spirit to one who is going to deny him. Jesus comes and gives himself in humility to these men who are going to desert him. Why does he do that? Because he is love. And his love is the kind of love that leads ultimately to a cross. And we ask ourselves, how is it possible for us to love each other when we are so often hurt by each other? How is it possible for us to humble ourselves before each other when we are so often taken advantage of by each other? We can do that because we know we are loved. And when we know that we are loved, we are free to love, even if it costs us, and perhaps particularly when it costs us. As we walk through the words and the visuals of this night, let me t- encourage you to embrace all of it. Embrace the gifts of Jesus' broken body and shed blood. Embrace the starkness of the church stripped bare. Embrace the solemnness of the tenebrae readings and darkness. Embrace the silence of Feel it. Engage it. Let it wash over you. And let this power of selfless love envelop you. And then remember, mandatum, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you should love one another. And in His humble, sacrificial loving, may we find grace for our own humble, sacrificial loving. Amen. The Lord be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Blessed are you, Lord our God, sovereign of the universe. You created the heavens and the earth and saw that it was good. From the earth you bring forth bread and create the fruit of the vine. You formed us in your image, delivered us from captivity, fed us manna in the wilderness, made covenant with us, and set before us the way of life. Therefore, with your people in all the ages and the whole company of heaven, we join in the song of unending praise, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Most holy and merciful God. Time and again, we turned aside from your way and abused your gifts. Yet you gave us the crowning gift in your son, Jesus Christ. Emptying himself that our joy might be full, he fed the hungry Healed the afflicted, ate with the scorned and forgotten, washed his disciples' feet, and gave a holy meal as the pledge of his abiding presence. On the night he gave himself up for us at table with those who would desert him and deny him, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take. Eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, recalling your son's death and resurrection, his ascension and his abiding presence through your Holy Spirit. We ask you to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, which we offer in union with Christ's sacrifice for us as a living and holy surrender of ourselves. Send the power of your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this wine, we may know the presence of the living Christ, be renewed as his body and transformed into his likeness. Faithfully serve him in the world and look forward to his coming in final victory. Through him, with him in him in the unity of the holy spirit all honor and glory is yours almighty god now and forever amen tonight this is a this is an evening of uh, repentance and confession recognizing the price paid by our Savior. And so it seems appropriate that we receive communion tonight in that spirit by kneeling. And so as uh, you come to the front, and we aren't going to release you by rows, but perhaps just start in the front and, and work our way back, come and kneel at the altar rail. If kneeling is difficult for you, please feel free to sit in one of the red chairs here. And if it's difficult for you to come to the front uh, at all, we are happy to serve you in your seat. But as you come, kneel and you'll be given a take a piece of bread and you'll have a cup. And uh, just feel free to partake of that as you are ready to do so. When you have received the bread and the cup, you may feel free to stay, pray, meditate as little or as long as you would like, and then return to your seat. And then as places come open here, uh, others may come and take those places. As we mentioned, every time we receive the Lord's Supper, we practice open communion to Wesleyan Church. It's perhaps might be the first time you've worshipped here. But if you come tonight with your heart open to Christ, with a desire to receive His grace, then come and receive these gifts. From our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, please come. You need gluten free wafers, we have those as well. Just tell the server as, as the bread is offered to you.
4: darkest day Christ on the road to Calvary Tri-
3: Because Easter is the highest and holiest day in the church calendar, the early church felt that it would be only appropriate to make sure that the church is in pristine condition for this great celebration. So a part of Holy Week was cleaning the church. And of course, this is deep cleaning. You want to make it want to every nook and cranny to be clean. In order to do that, you have to move things. So they would take things out of the church, move them around so they could do that cleaning. And After a while, it began to dawn on them that there was powerful symbolism in what they were doing. That to empty the church of things that could be taken out and to leave the church in that condition of barrenness was symbolic of the barrenness of the cross as the light of Friday ended and moved into the silence and the darkness of Saturday. And so for centuries, the church has now practiced the stripping of the church, not to clean the church, but simply as an act of symbolism. And so tonight, we once again practice this ancient tradition
6: Jesus went forth with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, procuring a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lantern and torches and weapons. Then Jesus knowing all that was to befall him came forward and said to them whom do you seek they answered him jesus of nazareth jesus said to them i am he judas who betrayed him was standing with them when he said to them i am he they drew back and fell to the ground again he asked them whom do you seek and they said jesus of nazareth jesus answered I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word which he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup? Which the Father has given me.
3: So the so the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Judean authorities seized Jesus and bound him. Firstly led him to Annas, where he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had given counsel to the religious authorities that it was expedient that one man should die for the people.
7: Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. As this disciple was known to the high priest... He entered the court of the high priest, along with Jesus, while Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the woman who guarded the gate and brought Peter in. The woman who guarded at the gate said to Peter, Are not you also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself.
1: The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, "'I've spoken openly to the world. "'I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple, "'where all the Jewish people come together. "'I have said nothing secretly.' Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, bear witness to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest.
6: Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, Are you not also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a kinsman of the man whose Peter ear had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once the cock crowed.
3: Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so that they might not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not an evil doer, we would not have handed him over. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves judge him by your own law. The religious authorities said to him, It isn't lawful for us to put any man to death. This was to fulfill the word which Jesus had spoken to show by what death he was to die.
7: Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. And what have you done? Jesus answered, My kingship is not of this world my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight that I might not be handed over to the religious authorities, but my kingship is not from the world. Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth?
0: After Pilate had said this, he went to the religious authorities again and told them, I find no crime in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. Will you have me release for you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber.
8: Then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers plated a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no crime in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no crime in him. The religious authorities answered him, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard these words, he was the more afraid. He entered the headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin.
4: Upon this, Pilate sought to release him, but the religious authorities cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king sets himself against Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was the sixth hour. He said to the religious authorities, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. They handed him over to them to be crucified.
7: So they took Jesus, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the Place of the Skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Judeans read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. The Jewish chief priests then said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written.
1: When the soldiers had crucified
4: Jesus, they took his garments and made four parts, one for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was without seam, woven from top to bottom, so they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They parted my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots.
7: So the soldiers did this, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing near, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, I thirst. A bowl full of vinegar stood there, so they put a sponge full of the vinegar on hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus
5: had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit.
7: Since it was the day of preparation, in order to prevent the bodies from remaining on the cross on the Sabbath, the religious authorities asked Pilate that their legs may be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness, his testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth, that you only that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture may be fulfilled. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced.
0: After this, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the religious authorities asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who had at first come to him by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. They took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb where no one had ever been laid. So, because of the Jewish day of preparation, as the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there.
3: In a spirit of meditation in contemplation may you go in his peace and in his grace amen